We are in this message series that we're calling Life Starts Now. And we're in the, the Gospel of Mark, Mark's Gospel, and we're going to just kind of be camping out in here for quite a while as we as we carry on. I know this is four weeks in chapter one. We'll go a little faster through the rest of it, but we wanted to kind of set set a foundation for you, kind of get the kind of get the base uh, laid down as we begin to progress uh, through this book. But today we're talking about living by listening, living by listening. And uh, I had an, an interesting moment with an acquaintance this week. I see this guy once a year, twice a year, once every two years. He lives in another state. Um, and uh, but his his adult daughter had passed away somewhat suddenly, of course, tragically, about a year, year and a half ago. And I, I hadn't seen him since that. And I just said, "Hey, you know, how are you and your wife? You know, managing?" And his comment to me was surprising. He said, thanks for asking, it feels good to be seen. I'm like, huh, I hadn't really thought about it that time. He's he's in ministry leadership and he's kind of always on the go and people are always looking to him for stuff. And he said, it feels good to be seen, to be noticed. He felt listened to even in that moment, even though it was brief. I remember visiting a, a church a couple of years ago. I was on a vacation Sunday, and I love getting to other churches when I have a vacation Sunday. By the way, November 3rd, uh, Pastor Stephen mentioned you could go to another church that morning. That's actually a great idea. In your, somewhere in your neighborhood, visit a local church and tell me what you discover. You can be a spy for me. Um, and I was at this church, and on my way in, the greeter uh, asked, introduced himself and asked, asked my name. And I, so I told him and didn't think too much of it. Chit-chat, I went and found a seat. And it was, you know, it was okay worship experience it was fine but on my way back out the greeters are again at the exit doors which is also a good idea greeters that's a great thing to do as i'm leaving the guy says thanks for coming brian hope to see you again i stopped in my tracks i mean the overall experience of the morning was one thing but that's what would have got me back to that church why i felt noticed someone i mean the fact that the guy remembered my name i was it blew me away. I, I need to get better at that, right? It's a powerful moment to be noticed, to be listened to, to be valued. And I think that's part of what made Jesus so effective in his ministry and so magnetic because he had this ability to listen. He listened with physical ears and he listened with spiritual ears, the ears of his heart. He was listening, listening, listening. And that created those life-giving moments that he could impart to people. And so we're going to read about this in uh, chapter 1 of Mark. We're going to pick it up at verse 29. Um, we Here at Bethany Church, we use the New Living Translation of the Bible, second edition. If you ever need help finding a Bible, if you'd like to purchase a good paper Bible and you want some help, talk to me about that. I'd love to help you with that. But we like to stand together for the reading of God's Word. And uh, we're in Mark, Mark's Gospel, Matthew, Mark. And uh, chapter 1, picking it up at verse 29. Mark writes this, he says, After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Uh, By the way, they're in the the village of or the town of Capernaum. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever, and they told Jesus about her right away. So he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. And then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick 
with various diseases and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Verse 35, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. And later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone's looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That's why I came. And so he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Verse 40, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus and begging to be healed. He said, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. And moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I'm willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest, let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you've been cleansed. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. And as a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out of the secluded places, but be, out in the secluded places, but because, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. Let's have a seat together. We're thankful to the Lord for his word. So this is all taking place kind of in the northern part of Israel, not super north, but just um, alongside the Sea of Galilee. I've got a few pictures here of what Capernaum looks like. This is uh, kind of the ruins of a synagogue. Anytime you go there, there's ruins, but they kind of put them back together a little bit so you can visualize what they look like. Uh, kind of a fourth or fifth century synagogue, Jewish synagogue at the time. And there's benches on the two sides and then the podium would have been in the middle. It's kind of how they set their synagogues up. It's a pretty big one. Here's a, one of our groups from a couple years ago uh, getting a lecture from our guide. And then I've got one more picture here. And this is takes a moment to kind of figure out what this is. But there, there's a church built over top of this, so it's really hard to see. But they think this is the spot of the house where Simon lived, Simon's house, where his mother-in-law was healed. And then the ruins of a, of a Byzantine era, you know, probably late or early 4th century chapel that was built on that site to commemorate, but there's indication and evidence that Christians gathered there uh, many hundreds of years ago for worship on that location in Capernaum. So if you ever go, you can actually see these places that we're talking about in the Bible. I do need to say something about Simon. Last week, I realized I automatically defaulted to calling Simon Peter. It's Jesus who later calls him Peter, kind of gives him a new name, and uh, that'll come later, and I find I usually just refer to him as Peter, but uh, at this point, he's called Simon, but Simon and Peter, same guy, all right, don't worry too much about it, um, all right, well, you may, if you were here last week, you may recall what happened just prior to this passage that we read, see, Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, that, that very area, that location, and... Uh, and while he's there, a demon manifested publicly, made quite a spectacle, a big interruption to the meeting, confronted Jesus, and Jesus responded by casting out the demon and setting the man free. Uh, people were amazed at that point at Jesus' teaching and his authority that even the demons would listen to him and obey him. And so that was Mark's first recorded supernatural event uh, that we have in the gospel. And then from there... Um, now we're in this passage from there, they, they leave the synagogue, they go back to the house. Simon's wife's mom, his mother-in-law is sick and instinctively, you know, here's what we sometimes do. Oh, um, 
hey, my mother-in-law is not feeling good, so we're just going to kind of keep it down a little bit in here. And maybe we'll just, like, we'll do our visiting out in the courtyard because she's not feeling good. And she wasn't able to make any dinner, so we'll ha- we'll just order in some, you know, some pizza. And, and you know, like, that's typical, right? Isn't that kind of what we would do normally? And and yet, here's what happens. Because they've been around Jesus, they're getting to know Jesus. It's this instinctive thing of like, oh, um, she's not feeling well. Could you do something about it? I mean, imagine you invited your, your guest over and you say, yeah, um, not feeling well. Could, you know, could you do, could you, could you fix this? And so they, they tell Jesus and, and Jesus, of course, listening to the real concern, uh, that, that Simon has, um, you know, prays for her, heals her. And, uh, when you start getting to know Jesus, you instinctively want to bring not only your concerns, but the concerns of others to Jesus. That's why on Sundays here we have a prayer team. Uh, that's why we're, you know, we'll give you the opportunity to receive prayer, particularly prayer for healing next Sunday at Second Sunday Prayer. Because we want, when you're encountering Jesus, you're like, oh, I have a concern. I want to bring that to somebody. I want to get prayer for that. I want to bring this to Jesus. That's why we have people available for you. And it's an obvious request for Simon, even though it's his mother-in-law. I think he should get extra points for that. Right? Extra credit. Now, I mentioned that the demonic deliverance was the first individual supernatural event recorded. Here, this is the first individual healing that Mark has recorded, which is worth noting for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's still the Sabbath when they get back to the house. They've had the Sabbath service in the synagogue. They go back to the house. He heals her, and then she gets up immediately. Now, this is a, this woman's amazing. She gets up. Oh, I'm feeling better. Let's cook. I mean, she starts making a meal. But it's on the Sabbath, which is kind of a prohibited activity to be making food, preparing. She's working on the Sabbath day. And I I just want you to grasp that when God is at work in someone's life, the heart of the law, the intent of the law, which is God created Sabbath for you to have an experience of rest, the heart and intent of the law is greater than the letter or the specific application of the law. Jesus could have said, whoa, 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 it's Sabbath. We're fine. We'll just, we'll wait. So he didn't stop her. He didn't intervene. Why? Because it was the intent, not necessarily the letter of the law. And I want you to grasp it. When God's at work in your life, you're more concerned about what God wants than about the specifics of the law. And then only at verse 32 do we see that the Sabbath is over and then people began to bring people to Jesus. And then Jesus, this other thing I want you to know, Jesus took her by the hand, it says. Um, Verse 31, he went to her bedside, took her by the hand and helped her sit up and the fever left her and she prepared a meal for them. It's a really personal moment, a really personal touch from Jesus. You know, sometimes we talk about, we just, Jesus, we sing songs about wanting the touch of Jesus. That's what we're longing for is that very personal encounter, that personal interaction with Jesus. Um, but here's what's especially cool. Now remember, this is Simon's own home. It's his own family. Like it's just very, very personal for Simon as well. The very first recorded individual miracle in the book of Acts following Pentecost in, uh, in Acts chapter three, verse, chapter three, verse seven in Acts, we see Simon and his friend John doing the exact same thing. They encounter a, a, a man who's crippled. He's at the temple. He's begging. And what does Peter do? He reaches his hand to him and helps him up. Peter learned. 
he learned that people need a personal touch. They need, a, they need an intimacy. They need a closeness. They, when you have been, if you've ever gone through an illness, remember, if you've ever been quarantined or something like that, and you, you, uh, you kind of, people couldn't touch you for a while, you know that first time that someone gives you a hug or something? It just feels so good, doesn't it? And one of the one of the biggest challenges for someone who's kind of living on their own, uh, maybe living without a home, it's that lack of personal touch. And Jesus not only does that, but he teaches Simon. And it's the first thing we see Simon doing in the book of Acts. I think it's just a beautiful thing. It's not at all related to today's topic, but I just I just thought it was just a beautiful moment of Jesus. And of course, I would say if we're going to learn to live the Jesus way. It involves that personal approach, a humble approach, uh, sitting in a home, lifting someone by the hand. It's important. Now, this, and as I said, this the re- recording of this book is by Mark, who is discipled by Peter. So really, it's Peter giving to Mark, hey, write this down. Here's how it went. Here's the story. Here's how we met Jesus. Here's how Jesus called us. Here's how we followed him. Here's all the things that Jesus taught. Simon Peter is downloading this to Mark, and Mark records it. And so... You know, where this is the only place we get this encounter, but it's a, such a personal encounter that, that Simon saw fit to have Mark record. Alright, and then once the Sabbath has ended, and people were free to move about, they streamed in with sick and needy loved ones. So once the sun has gone down to sunset, now all the sick people are coming, and the demon-possessed people are coming. They're coming for help, and uh, Jesus willingly heals and delivers many people from that moment. Well, we said that we're, message says we're living by listening, living by listening, learning to listen. Where's the listening in this? I would say that it's this, that Jesus was listening to the cries for help. If you're taking notes today, if you've got our little notebook for taking notes, if you want to get one from this fellowship center, you can. Jesus listened to the cries for help. He was paying attention. Now, Jesus listened, but it was also a kind of a selective listening. Right? He listened, but he wasn't concerned about the religious voices who would criticize his compassion on the Sabbath, healing uh, her on the Sabbath, delivering the demon-possessed man on the Sabbath, letting her make a meal on the Sabbath. He wasn't worried about those religious voices. He wasn't, he wasn't worried about those religious voices that just kept people in bondage uh, to the law. He listened, but he wasn't intimidated by the demonic voices that, that held people captive and fearful and tormented. So Jesus is listening, but it's a bit of a selective listening. He's listening to the cries for help. He's not listening to those who are today. I wouldn't do that if I was you. Well, what are people going to think of you, Jesus, if you do that? He wasn't listening to those voices. He was listening to what people's needs were and responding to that. He listened to those who asked for help for themselves and for others. He recognized the need behind the need. Right? For example, let's go back to that, these situations where the demons are shouting out and, and trying to create a ruckus. Right? Gee, they're, they're so distracting. Jesus doesn't say, get that guy out of here. We'll deal with him later. Jesus doesn't do that. He's listening to the need behind the need. He recognizes this disruption isn't really this man. It's the demonic involvement that's happening in this man's life. And that's why he deals with the need behind the need. And, uh, and, and, and that way he can deal with the real place of healing and really set these people free. Hey, you know, it's interesting. And we talked, just touched on this very briefly last week. We hardly talk about uh, the spirit world. We hardly talk about demonic oppression or harassment or anything. Um, it's one of the main things that Jesus does is deliver people from demonic uh, oppression. Probably we need to talk a little bit more about that. 
And I, I in my, just personally speaking, I have to ask myself, am I listening to people's cries for help? Like, am I listening to what people actually need? Like, when your friend says, you say, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm so tired. Is that like tired they didn't get a good sleep last night? Or tired because life is just beating them up and they need some care? They need some attention. Right? When your loved one says, I'm fine. Is that, I'm fine, I'm, or is it, I'm fine. Right? Which is it? Like, you gotta listen. Right? Does it really mean, I need you to spend some time with me? I need you to pay attention to me? Uh, we had exactly one of those situations. Uh, Becky was trying to tell me something and I was doing something way more important, like, I don't know, scrolling through Facebook or something. And she says, you're not even listening to me right now. I'm like, what? It's not good. It's not good. So we want to listen. We want to listen. Pay attention to those needs. Because when we listen with our heart ears and our ear ears, our physical ears, we're in a position to minister life to people around us. Let's go back first to this story. When The next morning, we have this problem where they get up, they're going to have to sit down and have a nice breakfast. Some chopped up cucumbers and tomatoes and it's mixed in with a little olive oil. It's delicious. Maybe have a cooked egg and a little bit of fish. So they've got the t- tables all spread. There's some dates on the table and, and uh, some other dried fruit and, and uh, some yogurts there. And they're all ready to sit down. Like, anybody woke Jesus up yet? Like, ready to eat breakfast. Can't find. Can't find Jesus. Where's Jesus? He's gone. He's disappeared into the wilderness. He's listening again, but this time he's listening to his Father in heaven. And I think it's one of the sweetest moments in this whole gospel. It's right there at verse 35. Let's put this one on the screen. It says this, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. We all say prayer is a conversation with God, but most of us make it a one-way order form. Create a checklist and we leave it with God. Hopefully the groceries get delivered by the time, you know, we want them to. Right? Never taking advantage of the conversational part of the relationship. And you and I, we know why that is. It takes quiet to listen to God. It takes some solitude, which is why Jesus got up early in the morning to be with his father. In other words, and if you're taking notes, you can write this one down. Jesus listened to his father. He listened to cries for help, but he also listened to his father. Now, we blame our busy culture for keeping us from listening to God. I think we just ought to take responsibility for that. I, I had a meeting with a guy this week. He's 33. He's a college instructor. And he's somewhat radically countercultural. 33 years old, he's owned the same Samsung flip phone for eight years. I'm like, dude, what is up with the flip phone? He goes, oh, this is the, this is the best. I refuse to be a slave to everyone's constant demands on my life. So he said, I just leave it on silent all the time. I check it. And he responds pretty promptly to a missed call or a text message. Um, but he says, I'm just not going to be beholden to like constant interruption and, and uh, being just immediately available to every single situation. He says, you know, there was a time we didn't actually have these devices. I'm like, 
I can't remember it. I can't remember it. As I'm compulsively checking my phone. I was intrigued. I was intrigued. Eight-year-old flip phone. Well, listen, some Christian thought leaders are now saying that the biggest hindrance to our spiritual development is the smartphone. We're, we're so tethered to the screens. I am. And, and notifications, and, and, and we're, we're just unable to quiet our minds long enough to listen to the Father speak. And I get it. Unread emails and unchecked notifications drive me nuts. But what is that doing to my ability to listen and your ability to listen to the Father? I, I want to note that verse 35 follows a very big Sabbath day for Jesus. Preaching in the synagogue. Resolving this demonic encounter. Healing Simon's mother-in-law. And then after sunset, the real busyness begins. As all these people start streaming to the house. You know, just at the point of the day, we're like, oh, I am, this is a big day. I am spent. And then you look out the window, I'm like, oh, there's a hundred people here that want to talk to us. Long day, late night. Ever had one of those? And what do you want to do the next morning? Sleep, right? Jesus, just had to get away. He had to get some rest. And just a couple of thoughts to this. Rest and restoration for your soul is not accomplished by extra sleep only. Sleep's good. You need to sleep. You need a good sleep cycle, a good sleep pattern. I get that. Richard Foster, who's sort of known for his teaching on spiritual disciplines, is credited with saying, I don't know if he really did say this, but he's credited with saying, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. Right? Jesus napped. He was sleeping in a boat when they were getting tossed around in the ocean. So sleep's important. But when you're soul tired, sleeping in is not going to fix it. It may be the exact opposite. Jesus, after a long day and a late night, what did you got up extra early so he could be with the Father? Some of you don't know what 5 a.m. looks like. Or 6 a.m. you don't know what that looks like. It's a special time to open the word, to journal, to pray, to listen for the Father's voice. You night owls might make a case for doing this in the wee hours, and that's fine if that works for you. Most night owls aren't staying up late to spend time with Jesus. So many voices that that we listen to that really are not life-giving for us. And, and maybe we need to rethink what we're, you know, how we're tuning our ears to, to what we're tuning our Ears, talk radio and movies and television and water cooler gossips and toxic family members, right? You can make a list of your own, I'm sure. And, and look, I, I believe that it's good to, to stay in touch with what's going on. I, I listen to a lot of different things, but I'm working on listening more and more worship music. Pandora is the best thing ever or Spotify or an app where you can kind of curate music that you can appreciate and relate to and, Just develop that habit. Just let it soak more and more. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. It's as we are listening to those good things, your faith will grow and it'll build in your life. So I'm not suggesting you lock your room and hide away from the world. I think an awareness of what's happening is good. But if all you ever listen to is Rush Limbaugh or CNN or late night TV, 
we're going to miss what Jesus discovered, that the best voice to listen to is the voice of the Father. And that takes some quiet. And Jesus only did what his Father directed him to do. In John eight twenty eight, it says, Jesus said, I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father taught me. So if Jesus is only saying what the Father taught him, it meant he was listening for what the Father would teach him so he would have something to say when it mattered. Getting daily direction. And if Jesus did that, Jesus, who himself is fully God, if Jesus could do that, maybe we also would find wisdom in listening to the Father. So Jesus listened to the people he listened to the Father, but who was listening to Jesus? Who's listening to Jesus? Verses 40 to 44 pick up this, this story of the man who's got leprosy who's healed, right? He comes, he kneels before Jesus. He's begging to be healed. If you're willing, you can heal me. Jesus is moved to compassion. He reached out. He touched him. Again, that touch, right? I'm willing. Be healed. And the leprosy disappeared. He's healed. Jesus, don't tell anyone. Go to the priest. Now, it could be that there's uh, local representation. It could be that the expectation was that he would travel all the way down to Jerusalem to the priest. Pretty significant commitment to, to make that to travel. A couple travel days, get there. So, I mean, he's basically got to take a, a week to get there and back. Um, you know, but Jesus, it's a public testimony that you've been healed. And the man instead went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. And as a result, large crowds surrounded Jesus and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. I would say this, real listening includes obedience. And we're talking about listening that assumes there's some obedience to this. Real listening includes obedience because the, the leper had faith in Jesus for healing. No doubt, right? He had the humility to ask for healing. He had the desire for healing. All those pieces were there. And of course, Jesus had the compassion, the willingness to heal him. It's perfect. Everything about this is perfect. But Jesus did not need him to make it public just yet. It's early in Jesus' ministry. And he's not going to benefit from massive crowds coming around him just so demanding, you know, more and more miracles. And, And not only that, you know, the man's testimony would have spread regardless. I mean, that, it's something like that can't happen with the word getting out. But by going through proper channels, going to the priest, having it, you know, properly affirmed, that's, that was a, a, a process in the law that if somebody got it were healed, you'd go to the priest, the priest would confirm it, you, you sort of get the stamp of approval, it's official, it's recognized. Right? If he'd done that, his testimony would have had significantly more credibility. People couldn't have said, ah, I don't really believe. He could say, look, I went to the priest. I've got their certificate. The documentation is all here. Being witnessed and endorsed by someone who actually had nothing to gain from that. That would have been a better way to do this. and would have had better long-term results for Jesus. But, of course, he ignored Jesus' instruction. He spread the news and led to a severe impediment. To ministry for Jesus. Listen, we always want to give glory to God for what he's done. When we talk about the things that God's accomplished, we want to give him glory. We need to share testimonies of how God's healed or provided or moved in your life or delivered you in some way. But when the Lord gives you something to share, it may be wise just to stop stop and ask him, Hey God, how, how should I share this? Like, what's the right place and the right timing? Who should I speak to about this? Like, who who needs to hear this testimony? Lord, who needs to hear about this? 
And, and the pendulum swings both ways on this. On one end, you've got those of us who say, oh, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging, so I'm just never going to say anything to anybody because, you know, I don't want to make it look like it's, I'm drawing attention to myself. And then on the other end of the pendulum, you've got those who, like, just can't shut up and they just blab to everybody and they can't, can't find appropriate ways and places to share that. It's this place of, I'm going to speak, but Jesus, I'm, I just want to listen and do this under your direction in the right way in the right place. If we're going to live the Jesus life, we simply have to live by listening and obeying. It's life on his agenda, not our own. It's like, there's a song that Christy introduced us to last week, New Wine. In fact, would you come up? I'm going to, Christy's going to lead us in this song as we close. In the chorus of this song, New Wine, it says, so make me your vessel, make me an offering, make me whatever you want me to be. God, I came here with nothing, but all you have given me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. I just imagine how much greater this leper's impact could have been if he had just been patient enough to say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to do what you asked me to do. Go through the proper channels. And you think, okay, well, this sounds pretty vague. Then I would ask it this way. What work is Jesus doing in your life today? There's a few different answers. One is he's doing amazing things. Um, secondly, I'm not sure. Third, nothing. I guarantee Jesus wants to be doing something in your life or is doing something you're not recognizing. It. Or maybe you recognize what he's doing and you're saying, where can I share this? And it's this place of just open-handedness. God, would you make me your vessel, your your carafe, your pitcher that's going to pour out something good and beautiful into people's lives. It's kind of an unplugged morning for us today. It's been good. And we're going to sing this in a moment. I just think one remarkable aside in this whole episode is that, that even knowing the man would disobey, Jesus healed him anyway. We get it wrong so often and yet God's still so good to us. He's so kind. He's so generous to us. We've been created with the freedom to obey or not obey. You compare that to the demons who have to obey Jesus. They can't disobey Jesus because Jesus has such authority over them. He hasn't given them that free will, but he's given us the free will to obey or disobey. The demons have not been created in God's image and you have been. It's an amazing thing, this opportunity we have. So what about us? What about you? What about right now? How's, how's the listening going? Are you listening to the needs of people around you that you may be able to help in some way? Are you, are you listening to the voice of the Father who wants to speak direction into your life and instruction and restoration to your soul? How are you listening? Are we listening for actively obedient, being actively obedient? What He calls us to? Let's stand together. I'm going to pray and then we're just going to sing the song, New Wine. Jesus, I thank you for the just such a cool way you moved in people's lives, the way you touched them, the way you listened, the way you responded to what they needs or the way you delivered them from torment and oppression by silencing the demons and casting them out. God, I'm just so amazed at all the different ways you've worked in people's in, in these people's lives through this. And I really believe you continue to work in our lives today. And Lord, my desire is that you would just take 
I just come as I am. I got, I got nothing. Jesus, I'm, I got mistakes. I got errors. I got failures. But I also got what you're pouring into my life, gifting and opportunities. God, I want to use this for you. So I invite you, God, to do what you need to do in my life, in the life of our church, or to press us in a way that brings new wine, new life to the people around us. God, would you do that in our community, in our workplace, our schools, our homes? We love you, Lord. Make us great listeners, great listeners, so we can truly live for you and bring your life to others. In Jesus' name.